0: whoa mama we have carmen cusack on the pod today you all know her and love her as the tony nominee for the the beloved musical bright star well she has joined us for a phenomenal chat we're talking flying over sunset we're talking designing women we're talking wicked everything that this incredible entertainer has done we cover on this pod and she has a special return concert at feinstein's 54 below on october 22nd and october 24th which you can get tickets at 54below.com you'll find her right on the main page we also have a really cool opportunity for you to support our podcast at patreon.com backslash the drama podcast it's where we give all of the extra little dish it's just some chats between connor and i we have these amazing bonus episodes as well as access to our instagram close friends come on and join the party we are so excited and please enjoy this episode with the lovely carmen cusack
1: Press play, curtain of an hour in. It's time to taste in the shade and tea to spill. Oh, drama. drama. Oh, that's a tweet. Did they book? Who got an on? They option? No, Oh, I'm not well. What, what star will we talk, talk to today? today? Oh, that's a gag, honey. Say no more. Drama. 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 Welcome to Drama, a podcast that covers theater pop culture love and life in, in new, new york, york city, city and, and the, the world. world i'm connor mcdowell and i'm dylan mcdowell and we are fresh off of the tony awards the 2020 tony awards finally happened oh my god in 2021 <laughs> right. <laughs> I know I know in fact and like two years after we'd seen most of the performances too so it was really I know. It, you know it was almost nostalgic for the last like several years I was like oh yeah where was I in my life literally when I saw that performance you know what I mean I know and it's crazy too they voted back in March so this was very much delayed but I did
0: like that they ultimately turned it into like a Broadway's now reopen like come and see things. Kind of like a big commercial. But I know, but okay. It was an odd four-hour block. It, it was so say. weird,
1: but to that point, Dylan, they called it Broadway's Back, and then they didn't even have any of the shows that are coming back performing.
0: <laughs> that right. was so, so they weird. They had like, snippets. They had snippets. They had a little bit of Wicked in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but no Chicago. You're right. No Chicago. Phantom. I mean, Diana's opening in like a week, a couple weeks. Yeah. No Hades Town. Interesting. Okay, good, good point there, but it, as is the tradition of the Tonys, they do often just sort of have the the nominated shows performed that's true
1: and it was nice that they honored those those shows um what are your what definitely. are your thoughts i mean
0: well my man Aaron Tveit finally got his big trophy he did he did yes so that that to me is was the highlight i i wept i was brought to
1: my feet um i'm a little surprised that uh slave play didn't take home anything though. i'm surprised too that's a it's a crime the crime of the century yeah but it's coming back to broadway so let jokes on jokes on everyone else
0: I know, it's getting another run, which is so deserved, and I
1: I hope I get to see it again, because it was truly an important piece. I know, and Atu is going to be in the returning cast.
0: I saw that. I'm so happy. Friend of
1: the pod. And also, gagged that Andrew Burnap won for Best Leading Actor in a Play. I told him I thought he was going to win, and... I think he was surprised. I noticed in the moment when they were about to announce it, I saw him like swallow nervously for a second. And I was like, oh. I was like, oh, I hope he wins. And then completely shook that he did. I So know. obsessed. Oh my God. He beat Jake Gyllenhaal and Tom Littleston.
0: We'll get into more of the Tonys on our Patreon, of course, which everyone can subscribe in the link below and maybe even in our dose of drama. But thinking about that moment before an, an award category is announced, we actually have someone who has lived it. Oh my god who has been nominated for best actress in a musical has sat there at the tonys and i have a feeling they haven't seen the last of the
1: tonys i i agree oh my god dylan this is this is this is huge for us because we saw this guest think three times in cleveland ohio on the national tour of wicked in 2008. Right. so this is a moment i've been waiting for for so long dylan would you please bring her in I will happily bring her in. Our guest today
0: is a nominee for the 2016 Tony Award for Best Performance by a Leading Actress in a Musical for Creating and Starring as Alice Murphy in Bright Star on Broadway and on tour, for which she also received the Theater World Award, as well as Drama Desk, Outer Critics Circle, and Drama League Award nominations. Her anticipated return to a Broadway stage will finally happen as she stars in Lincoln Center Theater's new musical Flying Over Sunset this winter. She has starred as Elphaba in the Chicago Touring and Australian Companies of Wicked, and as Nellie Forbush in Lincoln Center's Revival of South Pacific on Tour. Long before becoming one of the brightest stars in New York City, she slayed London's West End as Fantine in Les Miserables, Christine in Phantom of the Opera, and in Saucy Jack and the Space Vixens, Personals, Over the Rainbow, and The Secret Garden. Stateside, she appeared as Sally Adams in City Center Encore's Call Me Madam, And as the lovable Miss Gardner in MCC's off-Broadway revival of Carrie, as well as Sunday in the Park with George, Ragtime, Sondheim, and the recent, just opened, Designing Women as Julia Sugarbaker. On screen, you'll recognize her from Sorry for Your Loss and A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Her Live at 54 Below album entitled If You Knew My Story, is now available, and she'll be returning to the venue on October 22nd, 24th, and 25th for her new show, Bearing All. Please welcome to drama, Carmen Carmen Cusack!
2: Cusack.
0: (laughs) Hi! Hello,
1: Carmen.
2: That last bit, Bearing All, sounds a bit risque. It sounds like, oh my goodness.
1: It does. It's a show. I know. Is it going to be like an after hours performance? Like, do you have to like know the secret code to come in the door?
2: Well, I, I am bearing a lot. And it's basically because I'm doing um, original material. And it's all about, you know, my stuff is very story oriented. And so it's it's about little secrets from my past that I've written in song. And uh, just a little girl growing up, never thinking she could, you know, do anything with her life. And then all of a sudden, you know, things started happening. But it, it's it, it's a journey. It's it's um, these songs are little journeys. So oh I'm excited God. to I love to it. bear my heart to everyone and to bear this this new stuff to bear all is because it's, it's it's very vulnerable place to be in to actually put write stuff and put it out there for people to judge
0: <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> i worked at 54 below for years and i was there for your first run which was like right after bright star closed and you were right. the toast of the town i remember they just kept adding shows left and right and you did a lot of material from bright star and things from your career so this will be different than to be doing your own material although you might have done a song or two of your own back then trying to remember
2: i did i did a couple songs then but it's of uh, kind of the americana ilk you know so it won't be too far from that kind of vibe of of that show that you saw way back in the day
0: <laughs> Ooh, love it love it oh my god connor and I will of course talk about bright star and all of that stuff as well but um i just need to say what an honor it is to chat with you as connor mentioned we saw you in cleveland as Alphabet and i'm remembering now we also saw that tour of south pacific
2: you know, I remember that Cleveland gig like it's like, like it was yesterday because we had an, a snowstorm. We were there during this whiteout and uh, I was working with Katie Rose Clark. She was my yes. granddad and she'd just gotten this little puppy and this puppy got really sick. And it got really sick on this one particular day when it was a white out and they still wanted to do the show, mm-hmm. but I was not feeling well. And nor was Katie. And we were like, we're not trudging through thigh high snow to go do two shows today. We're both not fe- feeling well. So I told her, look, I've got a call out. I just have to rest my voice. And she said, well, my, my little puppy's sick. And so we ended up in my, what do they call them? The PT cruisers? In the PT cruiser, <laughs> During a whiteout, all I could see was just like these two dark, dark trails in the, in the snow to, to go to this, this veterinarian's office out in the boondocks. And we just, and I was like, and I couldn't see, I was like, Katie, I can't see anything. I need su- sunglasses. I need sunglasses. <laughs> like, well, yeah, it's a whiteout. And I'm like, we're two Texas girls. we have never seen this kind of snow. It was just, <laughs> never forget that. And then literally the next day we were in a, uh, a place in fort lauderdale and i was sat outside in in a hot tub in the backyard of i mean it's just the craziest thing the touring in the united states
0: mm-hmm. is just
1: the- oh my god that is so I re- wild i remember that snowstorm because we we braved the storm to go down there to enter the lottery and no one else was there because it was this awful storm it was, it was, mm-hmm. of course <laughs> 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 our, our, our wonderful father drove us drove us there I'll never forget it and we of course won the lottery so that was like so you, were you were in you were in the
0: show though I think it might have been the night before the major whiteout because um, yeah. we definitely saw you and Brad Weinstock and yeah. Dee, Dee Magno
1: Hall and Clifton Hall and the whole gang oh
2: I love those guys yeah I
1: miss them I want to dive into That's all good. of these things about your career because I am obsessed but <laughs> before we do I'm wondering about how you're doing now Carmen are you well I
2: am very well. Thank you. Love I'm it. very blessed. Feeling so incredibly blessed. More than I think the words can't explain how grateful I feel right now.
0: I can feel that coming from you. That's incredible. Yeah, you're <laughs> obviously in Arkansas right now doing this Designing <laughs> Women stage adaptation.
2: Yes. Yes, my first, you know, show back, you know, back in the saddle again, but I get to do play this, this woman that I've always, you know, thought was just so incredible. And, and you know how you, I don't know, I don't know if y'all get into political arguments here, there, and tither, but <laughs> I kind of sit back on them because I, I wish that I could articulate my anger, my passion, and how I do really feel about how things have been going. But I always kind of kind of, you know, lean back in the conversations because I because everyone else is doing such a better job at eloquently explaining their thoughts that I just kind of listen a lot. And and I always say, God, I wish I could just really get in on this argument and say, yes, that's true. And that's true. But this is how I feel about this and just say it <laughs> eloquently. And I just feel like sugar, Julia sugar Baker does that she just speaks her mind and she she her words just just flow out in this this beautiful array and and i get to now be passionate about what i feel has gone on the past four years and 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 do it through julia Sugarbaker so i'm feeling very very blessed
0: oh i love it because it's it's a modern it's been modernized right
2: yes yes it is like it is like watching binge watching designing women But being like a fly on the wall, watching these women in this scenario with the, you know, uh, the COVID, uh, you know, all the, all the challenges that we've had in the past four years of, Mm -hmm. of political, politically, and then some, we know, with the health issues that we've all had, it's just been the craziest, craziest, craziest time. Oh, absolutely. Um, So it really is kind of like, you know, watch, looking in on these, these women and, and and how what the things that they would say about what's going on, because they were all so different. You know, there were some liberals, there was some conservatives and all all the mixtures were in there. And so the conversations that you would have with these people that actually still genuine, you know, truly, genuinely love each other, but feel differently about things mm-hmm. and and then being able to to understand from each side. And I think Linda Blesworth has done an incredible job at um, explaining people from every angle, because I think we need to continue having these dialogues, but with more kindness
0: mm-hmm. oh absolutely what a cool opportunity i mean people have been calling for designing women to be brought to the stage for so long so i think it's i when it, it was announced that you were doing the role i think everyone collectively was like oh well that makes sense
2: <laughs> yeah <laughs> i didn't see it but it's so strange i did i did first wives club in uh, chicago several years ago i think it was like almost 10 years now and linda Bledsworth did the, the book for that oh, okay and although First Wives Club didn't see the light of day on Broadway. I was great. I was very grateful to meet her. And I know she kept saying, even though I was channeling my, my best Diane Keaton uh, in First Wives Club, she kept saying to me, you just remind me of Dixie Carter. You just remind me of Dixie Carter. And of course I didn't really get to watch Designing Women when it, in its heyday, Mm because I was over in Great Britain, you know, getting married, trying to start my career over there in West End. But I remember her saying, "God, you so remind me of Dixie Carter," and I'm going to bring de- designing women to the stage at some point. And I've got to, you've got to do that. You got to, you got to play Julia Sugarbaker. And I just, oh, that's so sweet of you, and didn't think anything of it. And here we are, ten years later, and she's done it. Oh my God,
1: that's an amazing story. It's really cool how life can like circle around like that, you know?
2: It is if you if you last if you last long enough
1: (laughs) true very true and of course you're working with elena hendrix
0: who our generation knows as the stepmom in the parent trap
2: yes (laughs) and i know her as alexis in dynasty oh
0: okay well
1: there you go there you go
2: the brits say dynasty
1: (laughs) yes dynasty (laughs)
0: how
2: cool
1: okay so when does designing women end and flying over sunset start
2: Designing Women, well, I have to leave early, unfortunately, but Designing Women is ending the end of this month. I think they've extended already because the ticket sales are doing so well. And the audiences have been just incredible. And, uh, you know, everybody's just, you know, having a grand old time. They're really getting, they're really, it's, it is hilarious. It's very, 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 very funny. So we're doing very well there. So they're extending for a week. So I, I think they go, they, they go until the end of the month. I have to unfortunately leave early to get my, over to new york to start uh, working on the, the the 54 below shows that i'm doing there yes. and, all, and start rehearsals for flying over sunset
1: oh my gosh so you've got fun. so much going on
2: i know i can't believe it
0: <laughs> early november is when previews start for flying over sunset right
2: that's right yep early november and then opening night i think it's december 14th i think okay
0: think i mean carmen yeah. i am so curious about flying over sunset it was back in 2020 it was sort of the show that everyone was like what is this going to be it's this original musical yeah. and there's these huh? it's sort of historical fiction in a way would you mind explaining a little bit about flying over sunset
2: well what i was so excited about at that particular time it was that this in this particular this season of 2020 which obviously didn't have well the season happened, but the show, because of, you know, the obvious reasons. But at the time, it was going to be the only original musical for mm-hmm. the season. Which I thought was really interesting. It wasn't... Um, a a remake of something else it wasn't a musical based off of a movie that had been made or you know it's it was the only original musical that was happening and i was like that's really cool and 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 it gave me some questions marks as to why why is there not more Mm -hmm. original musicals it's really hard to get to get the venues you know what's going on and uh and then of course we were supposed to open to our first preview march the 12th oh. and that was the day that the day broadway closed it was march 12th or 13th it was march 12th it was or the 13th.
0: so then you had your final dress though
2: we had i, I invited one friend to the final dress the night before because oh i don't like God. people seeing my first shows i just don't like people seeing my first shows because you never know what's going to happen so i invited one friend of mine and uh he's the, uh, still the only one that's seen <laughs> that seen it, seen it. <laughs> And then it just, yeah, we, we, it was, it was shelved as everything was. But luckily for us, you know, Lincoln center has its subscribers and they just promised us, you know, up and down that it was, it, as soon as Broadway was back, that we would be back and that that show, that show was going to happen. I mean, the set has already been built. The costumes have been made, you know, why not? So I'm just feeling incredibly, incredibly grateful to come out the other side of
0: this. And that cast. I mean, Tony Yazbek and Harry Hayden Pat. How do you say his don't name?
2: Ask, don't ask me. I always get it wrong. Harry Hayden Patton. Patton, <laughs> Harry Hayden, Patton. I, 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 I mess it up every single time. And then I look at him and he just winks at me. I'm like, I know. I got you. He got yeah. <laughs> I told him it's his fault. If he wants us to say three names, that's his fault.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think it's Hayden Patton. Somebody told me once it's like eggs and bacon. Hayden Haddon Payton.
2: Harry Haddon Payton.
1: Eggs and bacon. Harry okay. Haddon Payton. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I'm following the eggs and bacon. I'm, but <laughs> I'm with you. I wonder if he'll be in the next Downton Abbey film.
2: Yes. Yes, he is. Because because is? we have been Zooming, doing like every, every other month Zooming with the cast just to keep everybody, you know, just to keep the flow and keep the energy and the family together. And uh, he was on. He was away in quarantine uh i think in paris or something he was like on set but in quarantine he'd just gotten there and they of course they had to quarantine before he got on set so yes he is
1: in the next one wait so carmen who are you playing in flying over sunset and what can i expect when i come to see the show
2: okay i am playing a a a a woman called claire booth Luce. she was an actual person who lived she was a conservative republican Lived in the 1950s. She was also um, an ambassador. She she had her thumb in so many pies. She was also a playwright. Um, she was also a fashionista. Everyone looked upon her for the the latest fashion. She was, you know. It, it, in a strange way, she kind of reminds me. if similar, but she's a little bit similar to Evita in that way. But then, okay. of course, she's a Republican. She's she was in a very very staunch conservative. Mm. But she just was. She had so much energy. She just wanted. She was doing everything. I don't know how she juggled the things that she did, but also, uh, she was tripping on LSD. (laughs) (laughs) And I think some of the reasons for that were that she uh, had some tragedies in her life. She lost her daughter in a car accident. And literally, I think less than a year later, or just just about a year later, her mother, she lost her mother again in a car Mm. accident. And so she was just dealing with a lot of of mourning. And uh, I just think that she possibly was experimenting with LSD to Just find the meaning of life. I don't know. Just find out some things about herself or maybe just work through some things. She thought that microdosing would would help. And it's so interesting that all of a sudden it's coming back into, um, you know, I'm reading articles every time. I can't open up a magazine anymore without reading an article about the medicinal um, health benefits Mm of Microdosing LSD.
0: Yeah. I'm not sure if it's LSD or not, but there's a TV show on with Nicole Kidman right now called Nine Perfect Strangers, and there's some microdosing yeah. going on in that. I don't know if it's LSD or not. Yeah. Is it okay?
2: I don't know. I'll need to look it up, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it, there's a, apparently a lot of benefits with um anxio- anxiety and, and, uh, all sorts of stuff.
0: Maybe I need to get me some so of that. It's
2: interesting. And, and the cool thing is I consider this a play with music, not necessarily a musical because pretty much the only time that we sing is when we're tripping. <laughs> and James Lapine just decided, you know, he found these characters, these characters, he, like Cary Grant and Aldous Huxley. He found these characters, you know, they all were in this lived in this era and this time, and they all lived at the same time during this time in, in Los Angeles. They were always back and forth. And so he just thought what if what if these people and their circles their social circles were mingling and what if they decided to trip together and see what what came of that and so that's that's the that's the uh, the life in which he has created with these characters sounds
0: fascinating oh my god
1: I, I can't i can't wait i love original stuff and i love stuff that's very creative in that way. So I I can't wait. I'll be there. I'll be
0: there. Please do.
1: This is like a terrible transition, but we're talking about what you're doing soon, but we'd like to ask all of our guests about the beginnings of their careers and where they, or maybe not even their careers, but just in their, where they first found an interest in the arts, we call it the ring of keys moment, where you found that recognition and you saw yourself in some sort of artistic experience. Do you feel like you had that ring of keys moment?
2: Yes. I do. It was on, I think, it was a Saturday morning, or maybe it was a Sunday afternoon after church. There was always we always had the classic movies on. There was a TV before T. I think it was before TCM. It was just um like on one of the normal channels. They would always like play classic movies, and I remember watching Doris Day in Calamity Jane. Amazing, and she was dancing about in this um, leather, you know, or or cowhide. Uh, manly suit, get up, you know, with her cowboy hat on, just just being a tomboy. Well, I was a little tomboy back, and I'm still a bit of a tomboy. And she was out there, looking like the guys and jumping up on the bar and singing and dancing. And I just thought, God, that looks like so much fun, and she looks like she's having so much fun. And she's not only getting to sing because I love singing. And I think my first first aha moment was, you know, singing in front of a big congregation of people at church and then people clapping and we thinking oh they liked that (laughs) (laughs) I got the bug then and then watching her just dance about and act because I thought she's getting to sing and act that's even that's even better so yeah I think that was really when I saw when I realized okay I want to I want to do that yeah I want
0: to do that I love that. No one has ever mentioned. We never really had like a working conversation about Doris Day on here, but I can imagine that that she was a bit of a trailblazer, too, in her time getting oh, to play these, sure. this range of roles.
2: She was. And I just I always just used to think every time I looked at her, it was, just like, like, it was like the sun, like the sun smiling at you. She <laughs> She had, she just looked like she was oozing warmth and goodness constantly. She just, she, just, she, she was a good oh, egg. Yeah. I'm pretty sure she was <laughs> a good, egg, right? Oh yeah, I think I've never so. heard anything bad.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're right. She She did have this star quality around her charismatic nature, you know? She. She's amazing. Well, and then Carmen, you've gone and done so many iconic roles. I mean, talking about how Doris had had a range, you have had a range. I mean, when we were going through your bio, I'm literally like, okay, Fontaine and Les Mis, Nelly and South Pacific, Elphaba and Wicked, like in in addition to everything else we've already mentioned, but do you have a favorite role you've ever played?
2: Oh my God. Well, I, again, I feel so incredibly grateful that I've been able to play, you know, all of these you know, blockbuster shows <laughs> and these leading lady parts, these really, these strong women, you know, Alice Murphy. God, I mean, that's kind of been a game changer. That show Bright Star was a game changer for me, especially coming back to the, the United States. And it was my first Broadway show. Hopefully not my, and it's seventh, not, it's not Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I would say my favorite, the most fun I had in playing a role was when I played 92 years old as Dot. Yes in Sunday, the Public with George. <laughs> 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 and oh, and here's a really interesting thing that that it w- is crazy. It's absolutely crazy. So when I, I when I learned that role, it was for Chicago Shakespeare Company and um, Heidi, God, I hate it when I blank out. Heidi, she played my sister in Wicked. She played my sister who, you know, who I I would uh, twirl her about yeah, in, yeah. The, in, in the wheelchair.
0: Oh yeah, Heidi Kettering, yeah. yeah.
2: Heidi Ketchering. Yes. But she and I were were had been cast in, in um this Sunday part with George, uh with Jason Jason Danielli, who oh, is yes. oh, he's such a sweetheart. Sweet, sweet man. And uh so the first day I got to start rehearsing as dot, Heidi is behind my wheelchair and all of a sudden we looked at <laughs> each other and went, hold up hold up (laughs) this is weird because i used to be the green Mm -hmm. girl pushing her in the wheelchair and now she's playing his uh his in the second act she plays george's Mm -hmm. girlfriend or ex-girlfriend because i broke up and so she it was just the weirdest thing anyway
1: oh that's so funny that's so cute (laughs) i love so we need to talk about bright Star because (laughs) as you mentioned i mean game changer you gave such an incredible performance, and it was the that A Star is Born moment from that season, oh, Carmen. Gosh. I mean, it was funny because everyone was like, oh, my God, she's just arrived on the scene. But then when you start to read or, you know, look into your career, you've been working your butt off forever. Oh, okay. my God. Forever?
2: <laughs> <Yes>.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, like, which was like two years, because by then you were just like a, you know sprightly, young, fresh face, but for real, like you played all those roles we already talked about. And then everyone was kind of like, who is she? Who is she? Who is she? But you had made such a name for yourself touring the country, performing in the West End, right? Like, so cool. And I think what, how special that after putting in all this work, you know, for some people, Broadway might seem like the end all be all of theatrical experiences. And for you, for it to come a little bit, a little bit into your career, I imagine that was probably a different experience than you graduating from college or, you know, whatever the kids are from, who come from Michigan and they go and then they start in a show and they're like, Oh my God, I'm, I, I, I got my dream at 22, but for you, it came a little bit later. So I imagine that was probably special in a different way.
2: Well, I, I have to say, no, I got, I got my dream at 20 at 23 or four, because that, you know, I, I did phantom, like I straight out of the boat, basically literally straight off the boat because I, I was in the QE2 <laughs> for a year. And mm. I decided to become a child bride, basically, to, um, you know, just decided to re- give it a rehearsal uh, with a, 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 a guy from from the UK. And uh, I really, like, flew the coop really young, really, really, really young. So I was already in the Great Britain in my early 20s and was already married. And But I auditioned for this gig Phantom of the Opera and uh, didn't have an agent or anything and got the gig. So... I feel like, you know, my dreams did kind of start there, although I never really had a plan of being in musical theater necessarily. I just knew Mm. I wanted to sing and act. And so, you know, I guess it goes hand in hand that it, that would be, yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, so I was already living, I was already living my dream. And I think what happened with Bright Star and that whole thing happened at the time that needed to happen, because if I had been any younger, it probably, I probably, it probably would have been harder for me to go through the workshop process, going through all of that, that was, was expected. And, uh, in that role, um, in front of the likes of Steve Martin and Edie Brickell and Paul Simon, mm. all, just literally as far as I, you know, just literally in the in the same one room thing, trying to workshop the stuff out, you know, falling to the floor crying in front of all these incredibly, you know, people I've grown up admiring all my life that, you know, if I'd have done this when I was younger, I might've, you know, everything comes when it's supposed to come. Mm. And I'm just, you know, the whole Tony situation came when I was ready to handle it and uh, not let it get to me and not let it mm-hmm. take over me. You know, that stuff can be overwhelming, and and you can get sick because you're just trying to literally burn the candles at both ends. And I'm not saying it's not ex- incredibly exciting to be a part of the whole whirlwind, but, you know, to be able to know your body and to understand what you can and cannot do, you know, where your limitations are. It's, it's very helpful knowing that going into, you know, the whirlwind that is the Tony season.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And uh, it was just great to be invited to the party.
0: Oh yeah. That Tony's weekend of 2016. Mm-hmm. That was the day that Connor and I moved to New York for the, for the first time. Oh my and we, we saw Bright Star. It was like the last, the Saturday night. So I'd imagine you had a matinee the next day before the Tony's or something like that. Yeah. But so we saw you all that night before and then and to see it with our parents who had of course seen you in Wicked and everything. It was just such a special you know, welcome to the city and to see this original show with this superstar that is Carmen Cusack, who we had seen back home, it just felt so right. And it was such a warm, welcoming presence that you always, you bring that to all of your characters. I think it's a bit of your, of your Southern upbringing and uh, charisma there, but um, that performance, specifically, the number at last is something I will never forget. You, you really, brought the house down. Thank
2: you. Uh, you know, it, that, that show was such a gift. It's on so many, so many levels walking out on that New York stage after all the things that I've done, all the roles and the, you know, the lives that I, the, all the various lives that I already felt feel like <laughs> I've lived to walk out on the stage and to, to hang out on that porch. Mm-hmm. It just took me back to that little girl, you know, in the panhandle of Florida out in the woods, walking back up on the porch to say, if you knew my story, you know, because it was everything. That was Carmen Cusack on that stage, telling that story. So much of that, so much of that Mm. was Carmen Cusack telling that story. And to go out there and sing that song to start that show on my first Broadway night was um, I still can't believe I was able to sing that without breaking down and crying, but (laughs) it was quite a moment.
0: And then to get to perform it on the Tonys.
2: I know. I know. And can I say, I thought that was going to be so frightening and scary and nerve and nerve wracking. I honestly, I felt the most calm I've ever felt because mm. I had, because of that beautiful cast, that beautiful cast of people around me. I missed them all so much. And, uh, And to just be able to share that moment with all of them. And and there's a moment where I turn around and I spin and tell me I'm not alone. And I'm just looking at all these people that I I love, you know, so much. And just all of them looking back at me and I'm going to start getting emotional now. (laughs) Because um, it was just such a moment. It was such a beautiful human moment of connection that I just cannot wait to um, get back to and, and just and get back to working with people that give their heart and soul every night to, to change someone's life.
0: Mm. I feel so grateful. Thank you for sharing that, yeah. Carmen. Oh, that, <laughs> that's so beautiful and we can feel it. And like I said, it's, it's one of the unique things about you is that you really have this, this rawness and this abil- ability to convey emotion so strongly. I think it's because you, you have your heart on your sleeve throughout a lot of what you're doing.
2: Oh my God. Oh, <laughs> <gonna> stop now.
0: <laughs> and of course you got to work with one of my favorite men of Broadway, Paul Nolan. Oh my
2: God. And you don't, you just told me that Slay play is coming back. Oh, uh-huh. He is so brilliant in that play. Please. I can't wait to see it again. I, I'm so glad that it's coming back. Cause now I can bring my husband.
0: Yes. He, he was robbed of a Tony nomination for bright star. That was a crazy year and yeah. he was robbed of one for slave play. So I just, I know that his day is coming and everything, but he is beloved in this community already. So.
2: He is beloved too. I love that. I love him to bits. I can't wait to see him when I get that,
1: that voice of his. Yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. That duet, that duet you guys sang in the second act.
2: I've been blinded. Yeah.
1: Oh, so good. Um, wait, speak. You mentioned your husband who's like also really hot. So like, what's going on there? Like, <laughs> how did you this, meet this Is This man? is the man who you
0: were a child bride
1: to.
2: No, this is my no second. No way.
0: Oh my goodness. Okay. Okay. <laughs> if you knew my story.
2: Yeah. <laughs> no, I, the first one lasted first marriage lasted like four and a half years, but then, then I gave myself a break for several years and had a grand old time in london as a single girl
1: okay that's my life's dream Um. (laughs) be a single girl in london
2: (laughs) yeah that was fun and then this guy showed up and uh just yeah he uh he had plans for me (laughs) that i wasn't even aware of and he he always tells the story far better than i but he was he was uh through a friend of of mine i met him And um, and he uh, just kind of orchestrated the scenario, and I just thought, okay, really. He's, you know, a little younger than me. And I'm like, okay, I'll have you for dinner. I'll have you for breakfast and that'll be it. <laughs> but no, it kept going on and on and kept like coming back for more. So.
0: <laughs> oh, I love it. And and I, like I mentioned earlier, I was at 54 during that run and he was there at, I swear every show he was the most supportive, like cheering you on. And yeah. even on social media, he posted, or I don't know if he's still on, but I just remember him always posting these supportive, wonderful things about you. He is your biggest fan.
2: He's incredible. He is, he is. And the thing is, when he's there at my shows, most everyone enjoys watching him Mm
0: -hmm.
2: instead of me. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone says they just like to look at him They like looking at him looking at me, which I just think is just... Oh, my
0: God. I'm
2: a very lucky girl. Yes, yeah.
0: (laughs) You've had so many wonderful men in your life, and I do have to ask about one more before we talk about some other things, but Tom Hanks, of course, of of all the men.
2: He is everything you imagine and more. He is... Absolutely, as you know, no, he is America's Mm -hmm. sweetheart, and he was on and off set just all the way across the board. Just the sweetest guy. Uh, I mean, there are no words. There are. I have nothing bad to say about the guy. I love that. Really, he's he's he was a dream. He was a dream to work with, and thank God because it was my first movie. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I mean, I didn't know what to expect. I was scared out of my mind. He just put me to rest. I mean, yeah, he put me at ease.
0: Did you like that medium switch? Because you've obviously been on stage for the majority of your career.
2: It's a very, very different game. And uh, I I really do like the set thing because the set thing is something that you live 24 seven, you know, you, you're wherever you are, you're with that cast and it's a continuation of, uh, so, you know, you have different, different, different scenes on a daily basis. That was a bit scary, you know, just to not <laughs> be able to, to rehearse for a month, you know, up just as seen, you just, you just have to kind of, you know, trust your instincts and uh, hopefully trust the other people around you and really, really live in the moment. I mean, it's, it's a real, it's a beautiful challenge in that way, but I don't, I don't know that it it will ever take the place in my heart of live theater. And that's because of, of the audience It's because of that Mm. magic that it, that you feel in the air with an audience and, and, and there's nothing like that moment.
0: Yeah. And that was directed by Marielle Heller, right?
2: Yes. She was a dream as well.
0: So did you see her in, uh, in the queen's gambit?
2: Yes. I couldn't believe it. it was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Ah, yeah, she was fantastic <laughs> in that.
0: Oh, amazing. Do you ever have any directing ambitions? Is that something that maybe you're interested in? Or
2: um, I feel like I have been doing a lot of that. <laughs> like, <laughs> whether I wanted to or not, but I have been told that a few times, you know, when I, especially with these workshops and you start to realize that at the end of the day, we're all learning. We're just all learning. And I've started to realize at this point in my life that I can actually, I'm now a teacher to people mm. that are putting their their vulnerability out there and i just have so much ad- admiration for for people that are creating and just able to just throw it out there and see if it you know sticks and that's such a brave brave thing to do but i also know that um, I've been in the industry long enough to know that certain things will work here and certain things that we don't need, you know, mm-hmm. and to try and help steer that boat is, um, is really exciting. And it started to, I have started to realize, Oh my God. So literally people are relying on me to captain a lot more <laughs> these days <laughs> than, than what I, I, I agreed upon, but I, I'm taking it. I'm taking, hopefully I'm taking it graceful, graciously and gracefully and making and doing I don't know. I think I'm sitting into that quite nicely, and yes, I might be interested in directing something.
1: All right, producers, you heard it here first. Carmen's (laughs) ready. (laughs) Wait, Carmen, I would be I would be mad at myself if I didn't ask about playing Miss Gardner and Carrie. Which I listen to. I listen to you on the cast album all the time, singing to unsuspecting hearts. You you sound so good.
2: You and can I just bring up? I just spoke of Jason Daniele earlier. I have to say that the biggest, most rewarding thing that I could take from that that experience was getting to work with Marion. She was just such a queen Mm -hmm. in every way. She taught me what it what it really was to lead a cast and to be grace gracious and kind and yet professional and yet stern at at times when it needed to be and yet get what she needed out of it because she's so well respected and mm-hmm. she gives other people the the respect that they deserve and just watching her she was just nothing but a queen and i just um that was the best the be- i got so much out of that
0: from her yeah that's a tremendous loss that i don't know if we'll ever really move on from that she was oh incredible and and you know i imagine a lot of the cast is like these young young kids who were playing the teenagers and so i'm sure that there was some wrangling necessary at times
2: (laughs) yeah oh yeah it was a lot of fun especially at the end at the lord tell because there's only like a one room that's that's separated with a folding wall So, um, yeah, we were all crammed in there. It was pretty fun.
0: <laughs> oh, I love it. And and I imagine you brought a little bit of uh, your Southern... I keep mentioning your Southern hospitality. I don't know if that's the right word for it. Just the Southern charm, perhaps, um, to that role. Because Miss Gardner is a bit of an outsider in that show as well.
2: Yes, yes. Well, anytime I can bring some Southern charm to something. It's always there to be had. I, I think we toyed a lot with going back and forth on that, that I, now I remember it. We toyed a lot with, uh, should I, do you want me to do an accent? Do you want me not to do an accent? Do you want me to do an accent? That for several years, I've had to find some kind of accent because I have a very odd accent. I have a Southern slash British accent that when I speak in my own terms in my own as Carmen which is kind of confusing to people so I really do have to pick and choose I have to decide on an accent you know so that (laughs) it doesn't sound like me (laughs) right
0: I will say your voice you you were able to capture this power when you were Elphaba specifically that I every time I hear your voice I I hear the way you delivered some of those lines and I'm curious you got to do Wicked in Chicago on tour and then even Australia what was that experience like of Getting all painted up in green eight times a week.
2: Uh, Can I say exhausting?
1: (laughs) (laughs) We've had other alphabas on the show and they say the same thing.
2: Honestly, oh my God. Well, first of all, it's one of those things that, you know, I decided I was going to quit musical theater altogether and I was just going to be a jazz singer. That's all I really wanted to do after a while. I just got a little bit burned out and I just felt like there weren't enough interesting roles for females being had and in, in the market. So I was just like, never mind. I'm going to be a jazz singer. So I literally did take a year off in London and I hit all the jazz venues that I wanted to. It just kind of came to me and fell into my lap at the perfect time. But then I thought if anything comes up that really takes my interest, I'll, I'll revisit going back to musical theater. And so Wicked brought me back to musical theater because that role came up and I thought, now that's... That's going to be a challenging role that it would be a challenge for me because it's more acrobatics vocal acrobatics but it's also a really interesting role where there's a lot of stakes and she's an outsider there's a lot of interesting angles to play this part and so when that came up I went back into it dipped my toe back in and the rest is history
0: would you ever if the opportunity arose play AlphaBa again
2: I have nightmares about it so I get
0: it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think Julia Murney told us that too. I think she said that she still has dreams about certain moments.
2: Can I tell you a story about Julia Murney? I wasn't the type that would go online and look at all the other, out, al- which, you know, all the other alphabets, and, and I didn't really uh, go online and read what everybody, you know, because they would, they would put they would put us against each other a lot. Mm-hmm. The fan base was always like, well, listen to her and listen to her, you know. Yeah. But I didn't really go, I didn't really buy into any of that. I'm, I'm not that. I don't really buy into that stuff for the most part. You're not that girl. I'm not that girl. I'm just not that girl. <laughs> but I do remember seeing a video. Somebody said, oh, but look at, look at this. And it, I think funnily enough, it was one of the other witches that said, hey, look, but look at this. And I was, <laughs> I was looking at this and I'm watching Julie. I was like, yes, girl. Yes, yes, yes. Love that. Love just the quirkiness and all these kind of really interesting things she was doing. But then, you know, but I didn't do anything about it. But then all of a sudden I was rehearsing for something else. And we were in some cafe in New York City and I saw Julia across the way and she clocked me and we both clocked each other and then sat where we sat in our different areas because I think I had a friend with me. But then we went to drop. It was during lunch break. So I guess she was probably rehearsing something somewhere near 42nd Studios and, uh, we went to put our, our trays in the trash and we, st- we started walking towards each other, just like, you know, as like two old sisters that hadn't seen each other for forever. And it's, it is true. It, unless you have walked in those green boots, they weren't green, but whatever, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You do not know what it's like you have no idea unless you played that role, how challenging it is to do it eight times a week. And there's just a sisterhood. And we, we literally started slow-mo going towards each other <laughs> in a slow hug. We're like, girl, come here. I'm like, yeah, I got you. So yeah, it was, that was a really cool moment. With oh, Julia. that's so
0: special. I love that. Thank you for, yeah. for talking about that. We, had her on the podcast last month, or maybe it was two months ago. I don't even remember at this point. But she is so amazing, and you're both in that league of extraordinary women who have oh. braved your vocal cords to do that.
2: I think there, were many, <laughs> there was many a Saturday when I would just literally crumble in the on the floor in the shower, which is probably very gross. I'm just crying because I was like, oh, I don't have any more anything oh left my to do more shows. <laughs>
0: It's it amazes me they haven't done an alternate.
2: I'm too tired to scrub this green off my back. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I know why isn't there a matinee alphabet or like a Tuesday night Saturday mat or something.
2: I'm telling you, if, if I if I go down that road of of marching to, you know, I should be in the streets in New York saying there should be <laughs> six show up <laughs> Not a big show. for both of those girls. You know, they do it for Jersey Boys. They have them on a camp, you know, and they teach them because, you know, these girls mm-hmm. are hurting their voices doing that stuff. You've got to really know what you're doing. I thank God for my op- opera training because that saved me
0: oh my god you have lived many lives carmen and i'm i'm excited (laughs) hopefully to be able to catch your show in new york and and hear some of that original music
1: and hear maybe more stories i know
0: thank you oh my
1: god i'm literally obsessed with you okay so before we say goodbye we like to end on a dose of drama our titular segment where we share Mm -hmm. the drama in our hearts and on our minds things we've been consuming lately things we want to rant about rave about share with the listeners and you know, I'm feeling a little bit dramatic because I sort of decided to sell my soul to a gym, a new gym in my new neighborhood. And it w- it's, it, you know, it's not cheap. And so then they're like, okay, well, here's a perk. You can have a free personal training session. And I had it this morning.
2: Oh, did you? <laughs> I did.
1: Oh and it was mostly a huge waste of time. <laughs> I really, it was, it was, you know, they sat with me for 20 minutes asking about like my my goals and, you know, all this stuff. And I'm of course trying to like crack jokes because I want them to love me and give me a deal. And then they like, we basically just did like lunges and pushups and like a plank. And then they were like, okay, so if you pay a thousand dollars today, I can get you for a few more sessions and then we can like even space them out. So it goes across a couple of weeks. And I was just like, Oh my God, I'm already paying, you know, X amount of dollars to come here every month. It was, it was a huge bummer and I'm feeling dramatic about it because I really liked the trainer and he he did give me a lot of good tips, actually. So I lied earlier when I said I didn't get anything out of it. But anyway, mm. it's trauma, mm. it's trauma.
2: Drama. Uh, can I just say, I, I think that's very, that is rather expensive, but there, if you, if you like go, cause my, my husband, as you, if you've seen him, he is into weights and he's in training. I mean, I, you know, he does his thing, but it is so important. If you like start working on weights to have someone there to you mm-hmm. exactly the right positions to do, otherwise you can hurt yourself. And, and so that's all I'm going to say on that to that I know. end, that, I that, know. you know, it's there to, to, to save your body from injury, most likely.
1: Yeah, he did tell me that if there's ever a flash sale, he'll let me know. So That's sweet hey. of him. It was sweet. We love a flash sale. Shout do out you. to Dave, I know. Okay, Dylan, do you have a dose of drama? We do love a, I love a flash sale. I just have to say. I know, I know. Who doesn't? Who, who doesn't? doesn't? Dylan, do you have a dose of drama today?
0: I do. Of course, I've still got the Tonys on my mind, and I need to just say, my drama is that I feel as though some drama was resolved last night between Adina and Kristen, who, when they sang for good... <laughs> The lyrics were palpable and I felt like, you know, they've, they've known each other for so long. You know, they were, they were the leaders of this ship. I feel like whatever residual feelings they had about being in that show together, they worked them all out. The lyrics, they were, they came alive.
2: Yay. It was That's healing. To hear. That's very good to hear.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was group therapy for all of us.
2: I'm going to have to watch it. I was um, traveling to a little, town called rogers 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 in um arkansas Hmm. for just a little woodsy getaway so i i was not able to see it live but i'm hoping to get the best tidbits so i will look that up
0: oh yeah yeah. it's definitely worth it i I like to see a,
2: a little bit of girlfriend bonding you know oh yeah going on especially from the you know they've They've had their rounds, I'm sure. Oh my god,
0: I know. (laughs) Oh, and I think it was 18 years since Wicked came out or like debuted on Broadway. So, yeah, many of us have been through a lot in 18 years. But, anyways, Carmen, do you have a dose of drama for us today?
2: Gosh, drama. Well, I have been marathoning grace and frankie oh my goodness
0: i started it a few weeks ago
2: i think it's the sweetest thing i
0: love it i'm on season three i believe
2: yeah i think i'm on season four now i think i'm a little ahead of ahead of you okay but i can't believe these gals
0: you want to talk about someone who microdoses, frankie she's into all of that different stuff
2: yeah (laughs) yeah
0: i love them i love them together i want dolly to make an appearance at some point for the uh nine to five trio to be reunited
1: wouldn't that be amazing well carmen thank you for spending this time with us it's been so fun to get to know you and to get to hear about your career i seriously cannot wait to see you in everything you're doing especially in new york in the next few months but for the rest of your career
2: thank you can i can i still can i plug 54 my 54 shows 20 2, 24, and 25.
1: Of October, yes, yes.
0: And, yep, and we're going to put a link in the, in the little exactly. notes for this so everyone can go and snag their tickets because Thank you. it's going to be intimate and amazing.
2: Thank you. Thanks, guys. You guys are adorable. How fun it is to be able to, you know, do this together. It's lovely.
0: I know. You know, Carmen, actually, a memory just surfaced. When we, when we saw you and met you 100 times at the stage door at Wicked back in the day, you, you told us to take care, always take care of each other. And I remember that was the sweetest thing, and and we have.
2: I can see that. <laughs> I can take that that younger Carmen back in the day. Thank you, Carmen. For seeing oh yeah, <laughs> thank
0: you. Yeah, she knew a thing or two. Anyways, I know that you're not always on social media, but you do have a Twitter and Instagram. Um, where can the people clamor to find you?
2: My name is, car yeah Twitter and Instagram but Carmen Cusack. It's there. That's right. Yeah, it's there. Love. <laughs> I'm going to start putting links out there. I'm going to start really advertising 54
0: shows. So awesome.
2: I'll, I got to get better about this stuff, guys.
0: Um. <laughs> it's a lot to worry about. You also have to worry about actually doing the shows. So it's, it's a lot to think about. <laughs>
2: um, but anyways,
0: everyone should follow you there. Everyone should follow us at the drama podcast. But of course, of course, and follow Connor at Connor McDowell, me at Dylan McDowell. Carmen, you are a dream. We hope to see you soon.
1: Thank
0: and you. Connor, I will see you next time drama
2: i guys. this drama